Good morning and uh, Happy New Year. I hope uh, you all had a good break or otherwise you are having a good break if uh, you are still on holiday. And uh, it's amazing that we are already in 2022. It feels surreal after two weeks to think that 2021 is gone, that we are in 2022. I understand that for some of us this morning, the beginning of a year is just a flip of the calendar. But for others, it's a time of celebration, maybe even a time of deep reflection, looking back to the year that passed and kind of looking ahead and looking to a new beginning, to a fresh start, to even reconsidering our life priorities, to reordering our lives. So um, in as much as the beginning of a year has no significance in the sense that there is no significant Bible story or a principle that gives significance to the beginning of the year, I think even though that is, we all have a reason to pause and to reflect at the turn of the calendar. Kind of reminds me what Moses, uh, Moses' prayer in Psalm 90, verse 12. So Moses asked of God to teach us to number our days so we get a heart of wisdom. So what Moses was asking of God was for perspective, was for wisdom, for us to consider how we spend our time. So it's not only just Nikki who has to think about how she is going to spend her time this year. This is for all of us. So Roger, some encouragement. It's not only you who's uh, getting older. In fact, all of us, with each passing year, truer is the statement that time flies, that time that's gone can never be recovered. But what we can do is to make the most of our time. Whether you are young or you are old, it's kind of what Paul talks about in Colossians 4 verse 5 and in Ephesians 5:16, where he likens making good use of time to redeeming time. So as we flip the calendar this year, I wonder how many of us this morning are coming into this new year hoping that this year is not as tough is not as draining, is not as stressful as the year that's gone past, or even the last two years. I think if there's anything that this pandemic season has taught us, is that, or even reminded us, is that you just never know what the year brings, right? But though we do not know what 2022 may hold, Brothers and sisters, we can know a firm foundation. We can know an anchor that is firm and secure. So as we turn or flip the calendar, I want to invite you to know 
the God of the Bible better. I want to invite you to turn a new page on this priority to know the God of the Bible better. So if you like, the title of my message this morning is A Call to Know the God of the Bible Better. Our main text this morning is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 17. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians 1, um, verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles, the scripture reference should be up uh, on the screen. I will read for us. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. The New Living Translation puts it a little bit differently. It says, so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. So for all the things that Paul, the writer of the book of Ephesians, could have asked for this church, just like us, gathered this morning, I'm sure this church had a lot of felt and physical needs. They had some big consequential decisions to make. They had some big things to do, and big life changes to manage. Are we going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay this year? But the one thing that Paul asks of God for them, the one thing that he asks again and again, as Paul says in Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking for the moms in this church, for the teenagers, for the elderly, for the young men and women, for the kids, for the kids' leaders, for the life group leaders, for the elders of this church, is this, that they may know God better. That they may grow in knowing God. Kind of, I think Paul kind of sets the sin for us here, sort of helping us to place in the scale of life priorities where knowing God rests. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I remember watching this very sobering interview of an American theologian and pastor uh, who's retired now called John Piper. So for those who do not know John, John um, has led quite a remarkable life in a sense, um, he led a church for 33 years, and I think he preached more than a thousand sermons and wrote more than 50 books on the Christian faith. So John was about to, to retire, and he was having an interview with this guy, and this guy asks John, so John, given your very impressive career, what is, what is it that you're really looking forward to, to doing uh, in retirement. So John, in his very unassuming way, he says, um, you know, I have really thought about this. Um, I've spoken to my wife. And seriously, the, one of the things that I'm looking forward to doing the most is reading the Bible, is meeting God 
in Scripture. So this call to know the God of the Bible better is not just for those who are searching, for those who are looking in. It's not even just for those who are new to faith. It is for all of us. In fact, if we dial two verses back, in verse 15, Paul says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. So Paul, this kind of gives us uh, some bit of perspective into what kind of church this was that Paul was addressing. So these were mature believers who were not only living by faith, but who were expressing their faith through genuine love for one another. So I do not necessarily think that for Paul to desire and pray for them to know God better was in any way belittling their faith. This was not, you have failed, try better this year. This was not, try harder this year. This, brothers and sisters, is an invitation to more. God wants you and I to know more of Him. Beloved of God, let us not settle for less. I think there's something fundamental here about our relationship with God, that the more we get to know God, the more we want to know more of Him. In fact, the more we get to know God, the more we ought to want to know more of Him. I'm sure you would all agree with me that one of the privileges of us living in this beautiful city is the amazing sunsets that we get to enjoy. And uh, I think of the countless days that I've either sat at uh, Blobeck Beach or after just a run at Eden, and I pause and just spend a bit of time gazing as the sun beautifully dips into the horizon and you kind of get this staggering and serene backdrop of the Table Mountain. I just can't get enough of that view. In fact, every time I think I have seen the most beautiful of sunsets, another day comes and something even more amazing and staggering comes up. But how much more manifold and glorious is the God who unfolds these amazing sunsets? Isn't it wonderful that this manifold and glorious God wants you and I to know Him? He wants you and I to know Him better. So this call to know God better is just not any other thing to put on our to-do list this year. This is much more noble than other noble goals like improving your golf, or much more pressing than other pressing goals like watching your figure. Not that there's anything wrong with all that, but this goes at the very heart of our existence, 
Beloved of God, knowing God shapes our joy, shapes our sense of purpose, our peace, our relationships, our finances. Knowing God, knowing Him correctly, knowing Him truthfully, knowing Him personally, knowing Him intimately is what we were made for. This is what it means to truly be alive. John 17 verse 3, this is eternal life, that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom I have sent. This knowing of God that John 17 3 is talking about here, I don't think is, the, is, the, is more facts and figures like how we get to know of a, an object or a, 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 an interesting subject. But this is knowing God as a person. This is knowing God personally. This is knowing God in a life-giving way that brings about transformation with us getting more of Him, with more delight, with more joy and wonder and awe and satisfaction. This is knowing God. That is fulfilling. That is satisfying. That is empowering more than anything else. Jeremiah 9 verse 23 and part of 24, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong boast in his strength. Let not the rich boast in his riches. But let the one who boasts boast in this, that they understand and know me. Well, the good news this morning is that knowing God is not a matter of us striving on our own and making up things as we go, but it is a matter of us responding to God's own loving initiative by which He lovingly and mercifully reveals Himself to us. Firstly, in salvation, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it is God who enables us to know Him, to see Him for who He is. Beloved of God, on our own, we are incapable of seeing Jesus as a Savior. So here in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul uses the analogy of creation to describe how the Christian conversion is an act of God shining into our hearts and at once lifting up the hardness of heart that is like a dark veil covering our hearts. And in that moment, the eyes of our hearts are open and we can see and know the light of the glory of God in Jesus. 
And in that instance, we are made new. So, in the first instance, by grace, we know God by receiving His salvation in faith. But our journey doesn't just stop there. In fact, throughout our journey, the initiative rests with God. So the grace of God remains fundamental in us knowing Him better, but so is our response. And we see this pattern in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16. But when one tends to the Lord, the veil is removed. Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face beholding, which is a present continuous tense. You could read it as continuing to behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. John 17, verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So our sanctification... Our growth in the likeness of being like Jesus in our attitudes, in our desires, in our thoughts, in our actions, occurs in the truth. So this transformation that Paul talks about from one glory to another is to be shaped by truth. But what is this truth? The reality is that we live in a world where you can get to make up your own truth. Whatever blows your hair back, just follow your heart. It sounds innocent and fair, doesn't it? But beloved of God, let us be careful of falling into the trap of letting the culture around us, what we see and hear, shape our knowledge of God and our expectation of God. In fact, Paul warns us in Romans 12, verse 2, do not let this world, do not be conformed to this world, but, let, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. I love the J.B. Phillips translation, kind of puts it in a more colorful way. It says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God Remold your mind. I love uh, and I find helpful what um, Andrew Kostenberger says in his commentary to the book of John. And he says that the Greek word aletheia that was used by the writers of the book of John in this verse, uh, in this chapter, in this uh, scripture, John 17, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. The word truth there implies that the Bible is not only true, but it is the truth, that the Bible is the standard of truth. So for you and I, for believers, our knowledge of God, our lives should be lived in 
the reflection of the truth of the Bible. The reality is that without the Bible, our knowledge of God can end up becoming a matter of our own imagination, depending on how we feel on the day or even our mood. We can even begin to, depending on our personal taste, choose specific attributes of God that we like. I mean, if you look around, whether for good or bad, just look on Twitter or on Facebook or even on community WhatsApp groups, you can see the growing resentment towards authority, the growing resentment at being told what to do. But that can subtly begin to filter into our own faith where we find ourselves happy to accept Jesus as a Savior, but not as Lord, not as one with authority over us and over our lives. Well, the Bible reminds us that Jesus is not only the Lamb of God that takes away our sins. He is a shepherd to be followed, to be obeyed. But he is not like any other human authority. He is the good and perfect shepherd. I love this reflection of Jesus in Isaiah 40 verse 11, where Isaiah says, he leads his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs and carries them on his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Can I submit to you this morning that knowing God better, growing in knowing God first and foremost means responding to God's revelation in the Bible in trust and in obedience, in faith and in worship. Yes, it is true that nature and creation reveals God. I mean, who can stand at the foot of Table Mountain and not be filled with awe and praise of the Creator? But what we get to know of God in nature and creation is but half of the story. The primary means by which God has chosen to reveal Himself to us is through His written word in the Bible. Jeremiah 30, verse 1 to 2. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. Isaiah 30, verse 8. And now, go, write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for the time to come as a witness forever. I understand that perhaps we are all at different places and have different experience uh, of the Bible. I just want to spend a bit of time going through some practical stuff and hopefully things for us to reflect as we devote ourselves to knowing the God of the Bible better by 
setting and developing healthy rhythms of personal time in the scriptures and opening up our Bibles and encountering and meeting God in scripture. I want us to look at Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, and I'm going to quickly read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So here the psalmist says, blessed is the man. Man includes men and women, male and female. Anyone who can understand language. There is no implying here of a certain level of education or a certain level of cleverness. But anyone who is willing to humble themselves to hear what God has to say. God gives grace to the humble. Psalm 25 verse 9. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. So when we come to open our scriptures, unlike when we read a Facebook post or the Cape Times, we come to our Bibles with a prayerful attitude. We come to our Bibles in prayer. And it is when we come to our Bibles in prayer that we get to experience the work of the Holy Spirit, what Paul refers to as the spirit of truth and revelation. John 16, verse 3. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will glorify me by taking what is mine and declaring it to you. And in verse 2, to delight. Verse 2 talks about delighting. I think what this implies for us is that when we open our scriptures, we do not only come to engage our minds, but we also get to engage our hearts. So mostly every morning when I come and uh, open my Bible to meet with God in, in scriptures, I'm not only looking at filling my mind, but I'm looking at having a real encounter with a living God for my heart to be stirred up with real passion for God, for his kingdom, for his people. Luke 24, verse 32. When not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. So as we read the Bible, we're not just coming to learn about things, we're coming to encounter God in a real way. I remember a few years ago, um, we as a family were just coming out of a very tough financial season. Uh, it had been a time where I'd gone for a long time without work. And um, I was going through my Bible, and I came 
across um, Psalm 104, verses, particularly verses 14 to 5, which says, He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Bookmark this, wine that gladdens human hearts. Oil to make their faces shine. Bread that sustains. In that moment, I was filled with so much hope and satisfaction in a God who does not only look to provide my basics, but he wants me to flourish under his care. And in that moment, I remember praying and thanking God for the work that had started trickling in and um, just thinking to myself, I just want to be real with God here and, and praying and saying, God, even though we cannot afford this at this time, but some wine on a holiday would really gladden my family's heart. <laughs> and within a few weeks, one of my clients called me and said, hey, can we meet up for lunch? So we went for lunch, and he said to me, you know what, um, I've got this lovely farm in the Karoo, and um, I was wondering if you happen to have time um, if you and your family want to join us for a holiday. And needless to say that um, we had the most wonderful holiday and everything was on the house, including wine. <laughs> and obviously juice for the kids. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Verse 2b, on his law he meditates day and night. I'm sure... This does not come as a surprise to all of us here that in as much as it is God who provides opportunities for work, whether you're running your own business or you're working in a job, that we all have to get up in the morning and work, right? So in as much as it is God who allows us to see him, to experience him, to taste and see his goodness when we, when we are in scripture, God does not actually open our Bibles for us and read for us. Beloved of God, it is up to us to develop healthy and sustainable rhythms of spending personal time in Scripture. I think there's something to be, to be said about um, developing habits that are consistent with where you are in your own rhythm of life. So it might work for a, a person who's retired to have a fixed time every day, whereas a mom with a newborn might have to work around the newborn. But for me and my family, so for Jolene, she likes to be um, at work very early before anybody comes in and she gets to spend some time in Scripture. For me, early mornings are normally just chaos as I prepare our two boys for school and drop them at school. So in as much as early morning doesn't work for me, it's only later in the morning when the boys are at school that I can actually get to have time in Scripture. On his law, he meditates. I think this doesn't sound like just flying over words without stopping and asking, what does this mean about 
the nature and the character of God? What does this say about God's plans for us? What does this say about the state of my heart? What does this say about my relationships, how I relate to God, how I relate to other people? To Timothy 2 verse 7, think over what I say to you and God will give you understanding in everything. So to meditate is to think over. So as we spend regular, heartful, thoughtful time meeting God in our Bibles, we do not only learn about things that we didn't know before, but we begin to grow in maturity and being able to discern what is right and what is not right. Hebrews 5, verse 13 to 14, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So the maturity that the book of, the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about here is not just knowledge, but wisdom. Someone once said that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. <laughs> it is when we spend regular and life-filled times in our scripture that we begin to grow in maturity, to discern and know about how to think about everything, even if a particular subject is not directly addressed in Scripture. But more than shaping our thinking, our time in Scripture shapes our behavior. We begin to turn away from our sinful habits and actions and more positively begin to embrace and move to the things that are pleasing to God. But the reality is that we do not get to grow in maturity by only focusing our time in the Bible just enough to fill our emotional tank for the day. Choosing only to focus on the encouraging and reassuring verses and forget about stuff that we don't really like. I think there's something to be said about what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, where he says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. So as I conclude, I just want to, I just want to ask the band to come up forward because we're going to finish uh, with a song. But I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to know the God of Genesis, to Revelation, to encounter God book by book, section by section. Maybe you're here this morning saying, you know what, I have never opened a Bible before in my life. Where do I start? I want to encourage you, maybe start with the book of Psalms. And maybe if 
the book of Psalms is all you've read your life, I want to encourage you to try reading the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. And if the New Testament is all you've read in your life, I want to encourage you to try opening the Old Testament. So lastly, the psalmist tells us in verse 3 that those who devote themselves to God's word are like a tree that is planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Let us stand.